Hello everybody and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional look into the art of horror and all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Adrian. And I'm Stormy. And Halloween. This is our Halloween episode. <laughs> and <I'm-> Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. Listen, I, when we started this podcast, Halloween was like in my mind, just the season, the holiday, it's Obviously, every bitch's dream to just wake up on October 31st and just suck the blood out of the person next to them, whatever lover was unfortunate (laughs) to go home with them the night before. We just all want it for ourselves. So I'm just feeling the fantasy, if anything. I mean, I'm not quite there, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm still excited. But I mean, what better way to celebrate our first Halloween episode than to be the obvious podcasters and talk about halloween i mean we did switch it up a little bit i guess not really but we're going to be discussing the 2018 halloween which i mean are we excited i am excited it's one of the only halloweens see i'm gonna already damn myself for probably half of our audience but i don't really care for the halloween series i like the first one i like rob zombie and i like this one the blasphemy yeah Yeah. i love that though because i'm the opposite where i love almost all of them Uh, because i don't want to also be damned by (laughs) the listeners um because i love like the first original four i love h2o and then everything else is just it doesn't click with me and it doesn't mean i don't enjoy them in any way it's just they don't really click with me and this version that we're discussing today, the 2018 one, it really kind of helped, I guess, reignite the love that I have for this series because it really was kind of dead in the water for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like H2O has the worst mask out of all of them. Girl, the mask in four, five, and six, all three of them, <laughs> is also really bad. It's The mask is really just, when you think of Halloween, you think of the first movie, and that's just the mask that you think of. Rob Zombie did a really good job with his mask. I really enjoyed that one as well. Mm-hmm. And then this one, obviously. Like, to me, those are, like, the best masks. Because everything else just does not, like, hold up at all. Yeah, the other ones seem like they're struggling. Uh, but, yeah, so this is going to be a Halloween episode filmed to the brim with, you know, pumpkins and whatever the sort. But... Halloween 2018 is a reboot of sorts that picks up on the storyline from the 1978 classic. The film centers on Laurie Strode 40 years after the brutal killing spree conducted by Michael Myers that left her friends dead. Now the horror icon has returned and Laurie is prepared for a battle. The 2018 smash hit was directed by David Gordon Green and sees the return of Jamie Lee Curtis, an icon, a legend, as Laurie Strode. The film also stars Judy Greer as Karen, Annie Matichek, I believe is how you say her last name, as Allison, and sees James Jude Courtney and Nick Castle as Michael Myers. So this movie, it really, again, like I said, I feel like it really helped reignite the love that people had for this series in a really positive way, you know? Right. I feel like a lot of people feel the same way that you do because it really is nostalgia porn in a way because it's John Carpenter, like the original director. Yeah, because he came back to pretty much help write and also he, of course, composed the score and the music Mm -hmm. for this film. So he had a big impact in this film. 
And just this film altogether, and I guess we'll kind of get into it, but the film altogether is really like a tie back to the original, which is I think what a lot of people wanted. I feel like a lot of people, if you kind of look at just the general consensus as well or reviews, a lot of people probably thought it was a little too much. And we'll kind of get into that. But we might as well blow through This Week in Horror because I'm so excited to talk about Halloween because, I mean, come on. So This Week in Horror, first and foremost, speaking of Halloween, Danielle Harris, of course, the amazing Jamie from Halloween 4 and 5. She wasn't in 6, but her character was murdered in that movie. So, you know, rest in peace. She's actually coming back to, well, not coming back. She's actually going to be directing her own film. It's going to be titled Sequel. She's directed before, though. She's This is not like the first time she's directed. She's helmed the 2008 film Prank and 2012's Among Friends. But this new film, and there's not too much information out on it right now, but it's pretty much supposed to be like an all-female-led cast that kind of takes like a darkly comedic look at horror movies or pretty much like, I guess, kind of paying homage to the final girl trope in a comedic way is kind of the direction they're going in here. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, I love Danielle Harris in general. Um, I really haven't seen anything else that she's uh, directed, like you, the two that you mentioned. I haven't seen them. But I really do love her in the, Hall- the Halloween movies. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah. curious. I'm here I'm for it. I'm so excited. Same. And I haven't seen her other two directed films either. And I didn't know that she directed those films, and I'm going to look into them now. But she really is, like, fantastic. Like, she became a staple of the horror um, world, pretty much, at a very early age because of Halloween 4 and 5. And she's just always kind of had that presence. I've always really, really wanted her to be able to kind of be her own final girl, if anything, beyond those movies. Because she was great, you know. But I did want to see her come back and kind of just kill it on the screen because we know she can. She can act. And she did come back for Rob Zombie's two Halloween films, which I thought was really awesome that she came back for those, um, even if she wasn't really, like, utilized too well in them. And she also, of course, had some stints in some other films. Obviously, she was an Urban Legend. We talked about that movie months, it feels like, ago. But she also came back in Urban Legend. So she's fantastic. And I will, I will watch this movie. It's going to blow me away either way because, first off, no man. Well, I hope there's no man. It says all-female we don't really know too much about it. But if it's a movie that literally has no man in it whatsoever, no man, no man at all, I'm going to watch it. So, I would love if she pulled um, pulled one of those director stunts where she like puts herself as a cameo in the background. Like oh. I would live for a moment like that. I don't know if she would, but I'd rather her just... I guess I have to go back and watch her other two films because I don't know if she's done it already. But I want her to just make herself the star. director and final girl director writer final girl you know (laughs) the credit scene is just all her (laughs) it's like written by produced by whatever like calvin klein (laughs) starring danielle harris as danielle harris (laughs) (laughs) honestly kill it girl i'm all about it we don't have too much information about it right now but i'm all about it and i can't wait to see this movie So the only other bit of news that I wanted to get into this week. So Ginger Snaps, legitimately probably one of the best werewolf movies of all time. I don't know if that's going to get me, you know, attacked in any way, but it truly is. It's coming back 
as a television series. So, of course, there's already been three films in the franchise, and now it's coming to TV, which is fucking amazing. So it will be coming back thanks to producer Sid Gentle Films, who's teaming up with Copperheart, I believe, Entertainment, who produced the original Ginger Snaps trilogy. Um, so not too much information yet either in terms of where this is going to be shown or like where it's going to be presented pretty much. But it sounds like they're going to be just redoing the original movie because they're talking about like introducing a new audience to the characters that we've grown to love, Ginger and Bridget. And I hope it's done well because I truly do love these movies. Have you seen Ginger Snaps? Yeah, no, I haven't seen them. I'm one of the few. I feel like I feel like a lot of people that I've seen interact with posts about Ginger Snaps share the same sentiment as you. They're all about it. They're they live for it. Um, but werewolves just in general really aren't my thing. And I think that's the main reason why I haven't watched it. Um but with you preaching about it the way that you do, I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing, really, I feel like, because when it comes to all horror movie monsters, I think you can have a preference, or I guess a lot of people have preferences. So werewolves might not be your thing, but you might be all about the vampire, you know? And I've loved werewolves. I've loved, I mean, again, I've been a horror fan for the longest. So I love all of it. Vampires, werewolves, witches, Frankenstein, everything. I was into it. And werewolves was a big thing that I really kind of started to get turned on around um, or turned on to, I guess, <laughs> around the turn. But this movie, this movie really kind of catapulted my love to werewolf films because this came out in 2000. I was legitimately five years old when this movie came out, but I remember watching it around that age. And I remember it really literally blowing me away. And from that point onward, I was into werewolf movies i would watch everything i could i went back and i watched american werewolf in london a couple years later when i was old enough to kind of like start looking into shit on my own and it just kind of blew up from there and this movie's the reason why the and i don't want to get too much into it because you haven't seen it yet but it's phenomenal and we do have to watch it sometime soon because it's one of those movies where once you watch it and you know what it's all about like you're gonna you're gonna love it i know it it's kind of and i don't I don't know. Sometimes I say stuff and I get nervous, but I really do feel like it's Jennifer's body before Jennifer's body. Ooh. Very that. It's very that. That makes me very curious. Yeah. And of course, I mean, Jennifer's body came out only like nine years after it. But I mean, that's still almost like a decade's difference. And it feels very early 2000s, but it's very much Jennifer's body before Jennifer's body. I love that. I've never... Yeah, I've never heard somebody make that comparison, and that really piques my interest. I think because Jennifer's body really has more of like a lesbiana thing going on, like the lesbian <laughs> vibes, the gay vibes. We love Les Nikki. <laughs> we love that. But Ginger Snaps, of course, is a, a sister relationship. So although I'm all about Jennifer's body, obviously just like any relationship between family members, it's going to have like a very deep-rooted feeling to it I guess so it just feels a little bit different than Jennifer's body because Jennifer's body is also very campy um, but yeah I'm so excited for this television series and I hope it really lives up to the hype of Ginger Snaps even though the two films following it the second one and the third one were not good as far as I can remember Ooh. the first one really holds up still I watched it not too long ago because it's everything to me okay I'll add it to the list I don't know where I can find it but it's being it's added to a list somewhere. Is it? Yeah, you can watch it on Cheddar. 
Well, thanks, Queen, for sharing your login info. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's on Shutter, which is awesome. But that's pretty much all that we're going to be going over for this week in horror. Since this episode is coming out on Halloween, you guys are going to be getting it on October 31st, which is awesome. A day before, usually. I mean, it's not a big thing, but it's coming out on Halloween Day. We did want to kind of just take some time to just pretty much talk about Halloween. And listen, this is us just trying our best to um, be off the cuff, I guess, of anything. <laughs> Because um, it just feels appropriate to kind of discuss the season and just the joy that it brings to us and just why we love it so much. Um, so I don't know, Stormy, do you have any memories of Halloween that really kind of stick out to you? I don't have a ton because religion, <laughs> when I was growing up, like I was, I was obviously allowed to celebrate, but it wasn't like a big thing. Um I think a lot of my memories are once I was old enough to start going to like horror, uh, when I was old enough to start going to haunted houses. Um, I love going to haunted houses. Like if you ever want to go to one, hit me up. Like literally anybody listening, if you're in Michigan, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey friends. That's just, I don't know. I'll probably cling to you and I'll scream like a little bitch, but I'm down for it. I love it. I'm so sad that we don't get to do that this year. I mean, the thing is, is I think they're still open. I think there's still some haunted houses that are open, but that just seems very funny and stupid. Yeah, but, we're choosing to be safe. <laughs> yeah, it just seems a little, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense if you kind of think of like the filtration of a haunted house. It doesn't make sense that this old shack is going to be able to properly filtrate air in a way that feels safe, regardless of mask usage or not. I just don't think it seems very smart. But haunted houses are such a huge staple in terms of spooky season and it really is like in its own like a whole like community in itself obviously the people within that community are huge horror fans obviously but then there's like the horror fans but then there's like the haunt fans and the people who are like just so passionate and travel the country going from state to state from city to city to go to these haunted houses so i really love that like within recent years especially that that's kind of been something that even i have really kind of started getting into because growing up as a kid i mean you would go to haunted houses every now and then on halloween and it was always fun but to me halloween did go beyond the haunted houses and obviously as a kid it's about the candy and the costumes and like being able to just stay up a little bit later and just watch horror movies all night but definitely within the last maybe like six seven years of my life i've made it like a goal to always do something in relation to a haunted house because that's something that even people who maybe aren't the biggest of horror fans also gravitate towards you know spooky season they want to get scared in some way so and it's just fun it's a rush and me and stormy were able to go last year to halloween horror nights which was truly everything and we did want to do an episode we said was it yes was it last week's episode that we talked about it or the week before mm, i don't remember to be honest they all kind of run together <laughs> that's really it but we did talk not too long ago about how we so desperately wanted to do an episode of the podcast from halloween horror nights probably not like in the middle of the park that seems ridiculous and also we probably couldn't get our stuff in there because um, we don't <laughs> imagine have, like, media just carrying a laptop and a <laughs> microphone around <laughs> And now we're going through this haunted house. <laughs> Listen to me scream for the next 30 seconds. Um, but we did want to do like a like a live reaction kind of discussion and just kind of talk about it because it's a ball. And last year was your first time going to 
I guess, like a big event like that, wasn't it, Storm? Yes. Um, I don't know. It was so fitting for me to go with you just because you've really helped me get back into a lot of the interests that I had when I was younger but didn't have the resources to explore in. And you kind of brought it back, and it's a big part of my life now, and I have you to thank for that. So thanks, Queen. Love you. (laughs) But yeah, um, I mean, aside from me being mushy and it being like a bonding experience for the two of us, like that was a bomb-ass time. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, I love you so much. Yeah, because I had gone... It's been truly like such a dream of mine to go to Halloween Horror Nights. Like, as far as I can remember, because growing up, we didn't have money and we didn't have the opportunity or even truly the privilege of being able to like travel. Like, truly, growing up, we never had like family trips. We never left the state of New Mexico. Like, we never had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, when I was able to kind of move out after college and kind of start doing my own thing, it really kind of helped reignite. Kind of like you were saying, I guess, like my love for everything that I was able to really that kept me going as a child, because really, truly, like through college, which is, you know, three and a half years of my life, I was just so invested in what was happening within the college years while also like being crazy and wild and like trying to, you know, go to the clubs and travel from all kinds, just travel to a whole bunch of different cities and just like really be super insane. Um, When I was finally able to move out of New Mexico and move up to Vegas a couple years ago, that's when I really kind of started wanting to focus on like things that really bring me happiness and bring me joy. And horror has always been one of those things. And in researching a couple years ago, obviously, I was like, you know what? Halloween Horror Nights has always been something I've always wanted to do. I've really kind of fallen off on that dream because I've been spending all my money on crazy wild trips to go and just get drunk in a city somewhere. Why not kind of save up money and like just do something that really is going to bring me joy? So, of course, I brought Austin Long, poor baby, dragged him with me to L.A., (laughs) dragged him to Universal Studios. But we have... It was such a magical experience. Like, I can never, like, explain how happy I was in just doing all of that. All the haunted houses. We hit literally every single one. It was perfect. It was just fantastic. Enough to the point where the next year I was like, hey, everybody. (laughs) Grabbed, like, seven other people. And I was like, we're all just going to do this because you all need to understand, like, the joy that this brought me. And I was like, we're going to Halloween Horror Nights. We're making a whole thing of it. I'm also going to bring, you know, again, like, seven people plus me. We're all going to rent out a big Airbnb. And we're going to make a fucking weekend of it because, God damn it, I want to be spooky. And it was fun. And I just – I want that to be a tradition moving forward, like, regardless. It's just, like, getting all your friends together and doing something really fun like that, especially, obviously, horror-related um, around spooky season because Halloween just brings me all the happiness. Me too. Also, I don't work for a police department anymore, so I can talk about how high I was <laughs> when I was in that park. <laughs> Um, so listen, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now listen. Um, you know, marijuana is legal in the state of Nevada, <laughs> and it's also legal in the state of California. So we do partake <laughs> in uh, you know many a good time. But we did. We. Uh, I'm also so crazy. So the thing is, is with Halloween Horror Nights, we did. Um, we do like the the pass that gives us access to both. Obviously, we get to go in a couple hours before Halloween Horror Night starts to enjoy just Universal Studios altogether. The crazy thing is, last year when me and Stormy were there with our friends, it felt busier than the year before. And now in COVID times, that gives me 
the biggest heart palpitations I can't explain. But just how packed it was last year was so insane. So we did partake um, in some <laughs> fun uh, before Halloween Horror Night started. Because um, I remember we were in Harry Potter World. And trust me. Oh, I'm a, I'm my a, God. We don't stand J.K. Rowling. She's a trash bitch. <laughs> no. But I'm a Potterhead through and through. Um, so just going to Harry Potter World. And I've been there a couple times. And obviously, I, the first time I had gone there, I was... Was that 18? Maybe I was 18. I think it was in Disney World where it's a little bit bigger, I think, than Disneyland. Um, but we we had a good ass time in Potter World. We were walking up to the castle, cried, got in the castle, and I was in Hogwarts, bro. Like, that's how lost I was. Uh, amazing. Amazing. So, I mean, out of the um, all the mazes that we got to experience last year during Halloween time, spooky season, what was your favorite Oh, shit. Um, I would probably say Stranger Things was one of my favorites, yeah. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I think my favorite was the Killer Clowns Maze last year. That one was pretty good, too. Um, so good. I'm terrified of clowns, so I was hiding my face the entire time. <laughs> I love that movie, though. Um, the year prior in 2000-whatever, I can't remember anything anymore, 2018, what was my favorite one the first year I went? It might have been Stranger Things, and I think that's because that was the first maze we did, and it just, like, truly changed my life. Um, maybe that one? Oh, I changed my answer. Us was the best one. Oh, <gasps> Yes, I think Us was the best maze. Uh, I don't know, because Killer Clowns was just so good, but Us was just a different experience, and it just, it literally, it helps that Us also has a maze in the movie, Right. I was terrified. I was in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was everything. Oh, God, I love Halloween. And the entire time that you're in the line, because you walk into, like, the opening is the, um, what? how do you explain that? The opening to the maze is the, like, carnival? Yeah, the, the carnival maze. Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah. playing the I Got Five on it, like, but just the beat. Oh, my God. So fucking good. I miss it, so and I want to go back. And that maze really kind of helped all of us, like, recharge our batteries. Because we had been there for hours, and some of the lines were getting ridiculous. And it was kind of getting draining for a little bit there. And that's just how it is. And if we ever go back, we are putting money into Fast Passes, because I'm not doing that again. But mm -hmm. some of those lines were so long. Like, legitimately, we'd be in a line for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Like, it's ridiculous. But probably that longer. <laughs> may, probably longer, to be honest. But that means, I feel like we all, like, flipped our heads. Or, I don't even know, what the fuck's the saying that you say? It kind of just re-established, like, our joy. And we were all, like, so pumped up going into that maze. So it really kind of helped save the evening, I would say. After that one, me and Shannon had a moment by the trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I remember about that. Me being me was probably just fucking focusing on how to keep everybody moving like I always am. I was having a moment because I was sitting there just the way that my brain works whenever I'm like this. I was just like, you know what? There could be a serial killer in this park right now. He could be stabbing us, just stabbing random fucking people, being us being covered in blood, screaming for help, and nobody would fucking care because it's Halloween Horror Nights and they think that you're an actor. And, like, they think it's fake. Have you seen Hellfest? Yeah. That's what the movie is. <laughs> Literally the premise is. But I was having an existential breakdown. And then that's when I went and got that ice cream from the Stranger Things booth. Oh, my God. Yes. Because this is when we had split up. Because I think, I don't know what maze it is that we had gone to without you and Shannon. But I remember 
this is what we were trying to find you guys. And you guys are walking like right in front of us. And we're like, hey. And you're just like walking past us. And we're like, hey. And then you came up to, I remember you came up to me like immediately like, oh my God, I'm having, an, you said the same thing. I'm having an existential, <laughs> I can't even say it. Existential crisis. And I was like, what's happening? Good times. I miss it already. I miss you. Oh, I miss you. Listen, Halloween is just, it's, it's just driving force. It's always been like one of my favorite, I think it is my favorite holiday. Definitely Halloween and then probably Christmas. But Halloween is just, I guess quite the opposite of you. We just, my family just, all the religious also was just like super crazy about horror. So like from the youngest age, like every year, just, we were always doing something. We were trick-or-treating or watching movies or just, we were always doing something. Um, This is probably one of the first years that... My daughter is, like, stoked for Halloween, and she's getting to, like, I don't know, like, she's gotten to dress up, but, like, she understands now, and she's excited about it. So we're going to do some safe activities as best as we can, but it's fun to, like, pass on the love of actual Halloween to somebody else. It is. I feel like with trick-or-treating, um, I really don't know what people are doing this year, Um I feel like that can be done pretty safely. I mean, if you kind of just keep your distance from everybody else on the street and then I don't know if people will be handing out candy, but if they're handing out candy or maybe just like leave their candy outside their doors, I'm not sure. I feel like it could be done safely, but I also don't have a child. So I haven't like looked into like what Las Vegas is even doing about that. Right. So we'll see. Just stay safe. Obviously, everybody, because I know I know when this all started, like everybody immediately was saying, you know, we have to save Halloween and here we are in the thick of it still. So it kind of sucks. But just stay safe because it really is the spookiest time of the year. It really, uh, the energy flow on Halloween is ridiculous. Um, And shit is just going on. So please just stay safe. If you're staying home, you know, awesome. Thank you for staying safe and staying smart. Um, If you do go out and do anything, um, you know, be safe either way. If you're going to parties and are going to have a good time, you know, with your group of friends or whatever, that's great. I think you're stupid, but (laughs) you know, to each their own, <laughs> I guess. But I'll be home probably just, I don't know. We There's a pumpkin patch here in Las Vegas that we've been trying to go to all month. And we just haven't had the chance of going yet. So I feel like it's kind of crazy to go on Halloween morning. But if it's not too busy, I definitely want to go because I if I'm going to be inside all day, maybe I'll just like paint pumpkins and like carve pumpkins and like just, you know, pop an edible and just relax and watch horror movies all day. Aww. I'll pitch in for edibles. <laughs> mm, wow, we love friendship. <laughs> but Halloween, we love fucking Halloween. Halloween's everything. And we're going to get into our discussion of Halloween 2018. So we might as well jump into it. Hey, everybody. So if you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really, really beneficial. We're open to ideas and feedback it really goes a long way so go ahead and look into giving us a rating again we're on apple spotify podbean and many more places but for now let's go ahead and get back to the show all righty well we are back and we are going to be diving into our discussion on halloween the 2018 version and i mean i guess first and foremost do we recommend this movie do we like this movie like i said it's one of the original rob zombie and this one are the only ones that i really 
enjoy. I'm not saying that the other ones are bad. I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch them, that you shouldn't stand them. I just, for me personally, they're not the ones. So I personally would recommend this one over any of the other ones. I mean, it's an easy yes with this movie. It really, it's fantastic and it is an easy yes. And it's not my favorite in the franchise by oh. any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think for a lot of people, it's probably easy to say the first one. And it's completely understandable why, because that movie... John Carpenter really changed the game with that movie. I know in terms of slasher films, they were kind of building up for many a years. But Halloween really kind of set the precedence to what slasher films are. And I mean, our namesake is Slash Her. Like, that's just a genre that I've always been tremendously dedicated to and have been just so in love with for as long as I can remember. And that movie really catapulted it into a whole different atmosphere it really created its own subgenre even though there's films before it that were kind of building up the tropes and just what the slasher genre uh, would become obviously black christmas a couple years prior to that really kind of took that and ran with it obviously psycho from back in the 60s really kind of also helped kind of i guess start to lay the groundwork for what we would see become tropes you know because um the main character in psycho you know, she's having premarital sex and she's stealing money and she's doing things that you don't see good girls do, leading to her being murdered by Norman Bates in her hotel shower. So it kind of helps lay the groundwork, uh, groundwork for what would then be Halloween and would take this genre and run with it. So I love that movie and it's always going to be top tier for me. But I really think my favorite Halloween movie is the fourth one. I was about to ask. I was like, mm. <laughs> why? To me, yeah. that one always gives me the most Halloween vibes for some reason. I mean, the first one definitely does, but it also is like, you know, it's happening in California. <laughs> so that's where they feel the movie. So it still feels very like, you know, middle of the summer, California, even though, you know, I can look past that and enjoy the movie. But the fourth one just really, I love everything about it. And we're not talking about that movie, obviously, but it just feels the most atmospheric for me, at least. And it just, Jamie Lloyd's fantastic in that movie. She really, really is. And Rachel, her um, stepsister, I believe, she's just, Rachel's an amazing character for, you know, and I mean, she's not like super in depth or like super I don't know she's not like a super interesting character but I love her and the chase scenes in that movie you know I'm a chasing whore they're fantastic like Jamie Lloyd has a fantastic chase scene and then there's that chase scene with her and Rachel on the roof with Michael Myers that's awesome that's just always been my favorite as a kid and I think it still kind of resonates with me but this one the 2018 version really skyrocketed I would say like up the list but it's just fantastic, and it is an easy recommendation for, like, anybody. Like, I don't care who you are. If you are going to watch a Halloween movie, and I think that's what they were going for with this movie. Like, you can watch the original, and then you can watch this one, and then you really don't have to remember the rest of them. And I think, and I don't I don't think it was really trying to do that, but it kind of was. And I think it really did it successfully, you know? Right. Which one is it, um... Where, like, Michael's not really a bad person, and it's the people selling the masks. Oh, okay, so he's not even in that one. That one's Halloween 3, which okay. Michael's I wasn't sure if it was of. 3 or 4. I was like, yeah. I'm very lost. That's the Silver Shamrock jingle, uh, okay. Silver Shamrock, where it's like, you know, na-na-na-na, Halloween, 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 <laughs> which is iconic. <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. But Michael's not even in that movie, but that one's also a fucking 
iconic Halloween film. That one's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. But the Halloween series really is a like a crazy a crazy mess, really. And with you know, with this movie, with Halloween 2018, mm-hmm. like what they set out to do was to pretty much erase the rest of the movies besides the original. Right. And the crazy thing with the Halloween series is there's so many movies and there's so many different storylines happening. Because you can look at it as Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then H2O, or like their own trilogy. Um, You can toss in Resurrection in there as well. Like, that's its own storyline, which is weird. But then there's also Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, 5, and 6 that are their own continuity as well. And then there's the Rob Zombie versions, which are their own separate thing. But now there's this new, like, timeline, I guess, which is Halloween 1 and then Halloween 2018, and nothing else exists. So the the movies kind of go in multiple different directions, multiple different timelines. So initially, like, our next point, I mean, do we feel like the direction that they're going in is, I guess, not to say better than the rest, but do we kind of like the way it's going? For me, Yes. Just because of how I feel about the other ones, um, it kind of gives me a chance to find a new love for the Halloween movies, especially mm-hmm. getting new releases um, to carry on the story that I prefer. Right. So for personally, yes. Um, how do you feel about it? Um, I do. I definitely love uh, the direction that they're going in. And I have like, the, especially after watching the 2018 one when it first came out, like I have confidence in where they're going with it and -hmm. I feel like they can tie up like the story of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode in a satisfying way so I'm very enthralled with like where they're going I'm very excited about it to me just being as like a younger Halloween fan I always counted the first one the second one and then Halloween H2O was like the perfect trilogy just for the longest time even though Halloween H2O was like a direct ripoff of Scream it's still <laughs> like I still love that movie and just the ending to that movie too is just like so perfect and if it was just those three movies I probably would be very happy as a person but I also love the first one the second one and the fourth one as like another trio because the fifth one it's okay, but it just kind of gets very muddled because that's when they start to kind of dive into the point that Michael Myers is like the prodigy of a cult and like it's his destiny to murder people. It's crazy. But I really do enjoy where they're going with it. And it also, again, still feels very modern and fresh and also extremely realistic in a way. The way that they kind of go into like Laurie's trauma and just like what the event that happened to her back in the 70s, the original film, and just how it completely flipped her world upside down for the rest of her life. And it just seems very real, and it seems very raw. And it just, unlike the other Halloween movies, it's more than just Michael Myers killing people. Because I think that's kind of where the movies went for a bit, too, is like you're just excited to see him kill people. Almost like with Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, you just watched it to see the killer kill people, like, you know, typical boring characters. But this movie really kind of helped solidify that Michael actually is really a bad person. And, you know, it really makes you feel for Lori in a very, very deep way. And I enjoy that thoroughly. Yeah. I feel like the at least the first half of this movie is really an ode to the original Halloween. Just, mm. like, the vibe that it gives off. Um, and, like, just with the kills. Like, we don't really see a lot of the kills for the first half. Like... 
we see what happened afterwards, but we don't see any like slashing. You know what I mean? It's not torture porn. It's simple. And I mean, they they actually treat Michael like a serial killer that's escaped. Like he is a bad person, like you said, which I feel like gets lost the deeper that we get into the other movies. Um, but this kind of brings you back to the original where like it preys on the phobia that every literally everyone has that like somebody's following you and that you're being watched. Like that's Michael's whole shtick. Yep. And that's where this movie really shines. It's the prowling. It's the breathing. The shots where he's outside, like, and we're seeing it from his point of view. Like, we don't see him. You just hear the breathing. And I feel like a lot of the sequels prior to this are missing that quality. I do. And I agree with that. And I think that's what they were trying to do with this film because they really kind of um, kind of go back to what Jarn darn what John Carpenter was doing in the first film and like making Michael because in that first movie I mean yes they say his name when he's a kid when his parents catch him after he kills his sister at the age of six um you know they say Michael and but I mean like for the rest of the film he's just like a figure and even in the credits they call him the shape because he and just as like Dr. Loomis is screaming in that movie like he's just the embodiment of evil he's just an evil person and there's no character beyond that he's just a soulless individual who really has no intent but to kill people and of course you know throughout the sequels they add more character development to him or they kind of give him they give him more than i think he really needs especially in the rob zombie movies like they get really into his awful childhood and why he is the way he is which is fine but it kind of takes away from the mystique of this killing faceless i mean his mask is just a white face like he's just supposed to just be nothing just pure evil like you know dr loomis says in those earlier films and i think that this movie really does a fantastic job at kind of going back to that and kind of like you said just making him eerie again and just making him ruthless and just you know evil because he really was starting to kind of become like a parody of himself in a lot of those movies and yeah. this really kind of helped re-solidify why he's so terrifying as a killer and why, as children, we were so fucking scared of Michael Myers. Because he could be in your closet hiding out very, you know, stealthily. And you wouldn't know because he's just so quick and so quiet and so precise with the way that he kills people. Exactly. Um, I think that's why I harbor a lot of love for this movie is because it just brings, like you said, I don't want to repeat everything that you said, but you really put it wrapped it up and put it on a bow on my doorstep. Like they brought him back to the face of this monster that he is. Yeah. And in doing so, they also helped re uh, I don't, I hate saying reignite consistently, especially with the end of this movie, you know, but I'm bum pun, but they, (laughs) (laughs) but they also made Lori so much more interesting as a character and you feel for her so much because, I mean, they completely erased the connection between her and Michael that that's her brother. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were kind of like taken aback at first because that was like the biggest thing. But that also creates more character for him, and which is why I think the films dived into like, oh, you know, he was a part of a cult and he's supposed to kill his family. And like it just kind of makes everything very muddled because that connection and the reason why he's consistently trying to kill her because that's his family, it still makes it feel like there's a reason for his killings. And I think that them disconnecting the two of them and just making them their own separate entities as characters 
again, makes Michael more terrifying, but it also makes Laurie more desperate to get back at him because he is faceless. He, you know, she even calls him the shape in this movie because to her, he just came into her life at 17 years old, murdered all of her friends, completely shook the shit out of her and then just went and chilled in prison for the next 40 years. <laughs> and she had, and it's true. And like, and you know, she, it's not her brother. There's no connection. And to her, she's thinking, you know, well, why me for 40 years of her life? Why me? Why did he do this to me? Why did this happen to me? And that just festers and grows. And then of course you're going to have it in your mind that he's alive still in this prison. And that's why she becomes like, you know, a survivalist and like lives in her own little like boot camp huddled, like closed <laughs> off from the rest of the world and forces her daughter to also partake in this. Um, her daughter played by Judy Greer, who is Judy Greer in this movie. She's so hilarious. I love her to death in everything that she's in. But she also brings her daughter into this dynamic and, you know, forces her daughter to then also deal with her own trauma. And I love that this movie focuses on those three women, you know, Lori. Right. Karen and Allison and just like the different dynamics between all of them because it's also I mean family trauma and things like that are real and I think a lot of people have trauma because of just family dynamics growing up and I think the movie it really illustrates that because you know Lori's still legitimately in the thick of her trauma and like still dealing with it so heavily and Karen's at the point where she's just like over it and she's so disconnected from it and she becomes like, she attacks her, pretty much. She attacks her mother consistently. And then we have Allison, mm-hmm. who's kind of new to it. You know, she's still young, 17, 18. And she tries to support Lori, but she's... And she tries to understand where she's coming from. But she's also been raised by her mother and also kind of understands where her mom's coming from. And that causes... You know I mean? That can only hurt her so much as well. So I love that the movie just goes beyond the faceless killing machine that's Michael Myers and also expands on Lori as a character and also brings in her, you know, the three generations of women and also just makes them really, to me, the stars of the movie. Yeah. But also I feel like by focusing on them, you get to see the fact that Michael has become, that Michael has really passed on the whole monster aspect to Lori in a way. Like, by passing on the trauma that she experienced to her child and her child is in turn doing it to her own child. And it really just kind of speaks for the way that trauma is in general. Like if you want to break it down into, I mean, obviously not all of us in our day to life are experiencing like all of our friends being slashed to death, but that really is the breakdown. Like if you don't process your own trauma and you live in fear, then you end up processing, you end up passing a lot of it down to your, who you're surrounded with, whether it's your children or whatever you want to believe in. Not, not what you want to believe in, but like who you're around, what you, what you want to break it down to. Which only adds to like the anxiety surrounding trauma. Because if you're like involved in a traumatic event and like you said, like you're surrounded with people, sometimes you can't help but have that trauma be kind of the forefront of your mood at that moment or that present time. And that also can add like a thick layer of anxiety and like stress because then you also feel like you are affecting everybody around you. And Lori is so strong. Like she's so strong through it all. And even like in the scene where she's talking to Allison outside of the, um, I think they're playing football or something. I don't know, sports. But when she's (laughs) talking to Allison and she's saying, you know, hey, if like, if what 
I did for your mother ruined her life, then I would much rather her be prepared for it. And so she's kind of looking at it in the aspect of, you know, like taking accountability for it, but also still kind of reinforcing the reason behind it. And I think she kind of does that to also not completely feel awful for what she did to her daughter. And so the film is just so fucking amazing. And I think that's why, and I know people get upset sometimes that people like talk about this movie so highly and kind of, I mean, not in my circle. I talk about all the Halloween movies, but a lot of people just in general um, just talk about this movie so highly and kind of, and I think that's still kind of what the movie was intending to do, kind of erasing all the other ones because this movie, it has so much heart to it. It's not just a traditional slasher, even though it still is. It still has so much heart to it and it really just kind of helps the film feel more real in a sense, it's, you know? It's got a lot of layers. If you if you sit down and think about it, it really does have a lot of layers and a lot of Easter eggs and can bring a lot of... Uh, not like understanding, but I guess that's the best word I can think of. But it brings a lot of understanding to a lot of issues um, if you want to look past the whole slasher thing. Yeah. But all in all, it's still a fucking slasher. And Michael Myers <laughs> yeah, is still for sure. like a fucking crazy fucking per He kills a kid in this movie. <laughs> he Are you talking about Oscar? Oh, my God. That is my favorite. Oscar is the epitome of millennials. Like, that's just him. And I was so sad to see him die. And I say he's the epitome of millennials because he's just so chill. Like, he's just vibing. Like, he's kind of sad because obviously he gets rejected. And he's just confiding to this. I mean, it's Michael, but it's his shadow. And he's just ho-hum. Just looking at the face of death. Like, what are you going to do? Stab me? And then just gets fucking reamed. Like, I love him. No, I was talking... (laughs) I mean, yes, yes, all about that. But I was talking about the kid who's into dance class. Oh, <laughs> I was talking about the one who's in the fucking yard. With that scene, though, that scene, girl, the motion sensor lights, that freaked me out the first time I watched that in theaters. Did it? Completely threw me for a loop. But I was talking about the the kid that's into dancing. Um, Like, when you're watching a Michael Myers movie, I mean, yes, he's killing, like, 17-year-olds, but, like, this is, like, a 12-year-old. And, like, he (laughs) holds nothing back and grabs that fucking kid and just, like, chokes him out. And you're just like, oh, so that's who we're dealing with with this movie. Like, not only (laughs) is he a a psychotic serial killer, but he's been pent out for 40 years and he's not holding back. So that's why even later um, when he has that amazing Steadicam shot that they do in this movie where he's going through the neighborhood and just fucking offing people. I remember being in the theater and him... God, that scene is amazing. But when he's, you know, going through the house and killing everybody, or the houses and killing everybody, and he comes to that baby crib, and he just stares at that baby, everybody in the theater literally took a breath. They went, because <gasps> we all just, we saw him kill a 10, 11-year-old. Like, what's to say he's not going to just reach down really quick and just fucking slice this one-month-year-old's neck? And, like, we were just, like, fucking. <laughs> yeah, bro, I was not fucking ready for that. I wasn't. I'm glad he didn't. But, like, that's the precedence that they sent at the beginning beginning of his killing spree, that he's not fucking around. He's been pent up, and he wants to fucking murder. So that baby crying, I was like, fuck, fuck. Don't do it, Michael. Don't do it, sir. I still want to like you, sir. (laughs) Oop. Oop. But this movie is ridiculous. And... I mean, there's so many good scenes, and it's only been it's only been two years, obviously. But there's just so many scenes in this movie that just kind of stick out to me. I mean, 
if we're supposed to be looking at like favorite scenes, what would be something that kind of sticks out to you? Like what's one of your faves? The one that I just described. Yeah, in the backyard. Os- yeah, Oscar's kill scene. Also, I just love the shot where um, the granddaughter walks up and like sees the steak like going through the bottom of his chin oh, and out of so his good. mouth. Oof. It makes me and cringe. That, yes. And that leads to one of my favorite pieces of music in horror, like ever. Um, the Allison Chase theme song that John Carpenter created when she's like running through the neighborhood and the music that's blaring. Like mm-hmm. in the theater, I was like listening to that and I was like, oh, we are living. And then I went and like I fucking found it on Spotify immediately. And like it's just been, it's been in my playlist, like my film scores playlist, like since that moment in time, because that piece of music is amazing. And I'm slightly disappointed and the movie it goes deeper than you know traditional slapper slapper <laughs> uh traditional slasher tropes and i was of course waiting for like a chase scene the entire time so when she saw her dead friend and she saw michael myers there and then that music started and she was running through the neighborhood i was like oh yes baby give me that goddamn chase scene and then it cuts and she's like with the police already so I was like mm, disappointed <laughs> but the movie it doesn't really have like a chase scene but obviously it kind of makes up for it which is laurie Literally going fucking hand-to-hand combat with Michael Myers at the end. Fucking two 60-year-olds just boxing it out. And I'm like, yes, I fucking, I live. Oh, my God. Two 60-year-olds boxing it out. The AARP is screaming, but I'm living, baby. (laughs) You're like, my medical insurance isn't going to cover me after this. (laughs) Like, they're literally retired. And they're like, we got our fucking social security checks. My pension. Are we being I hope ages? my pension. <laughs> I hope my pension covers my medical bills because I'm getting dropped. <laughs> Maybe we're being ages, but that I mean, but it does it so believably well. Like you right. look at this and you think of Michael Myers, and you're like, yeah, this six year old man could literally fucking just wring my neck, and I couldn't do anything about it. But Lori's such a badass, and she's been training for this since she was 18, and he just believed that she's can kick ass, and I think they do that in such a believable way. Like it doesn't feel weird that she's kicking his ass right. at some points in this she's movie. badass but believable like from scream queen to absolute fucking predator yeah full blown ready to fucking just take him on it's insane i mean she's again been training her whole life for this um favorite scenes for me well obviously the steady cam shot of him walking through the neighborhood and just like offing people is amazing and we get so many like instances of like callbacks because when he walks into the house and he kills that old lady in her kitchen <laughs> that scene is like a direct ripoff from a scene in the second movie like mm-hmm. the, that's like the same like setup which I love and it's just amazing and the music throughout that scene is also fantastic and it's just oh my god I love that scene so that might be my favorite scene in the movie like every probably everybody else in the world i feel like but really i think one thing that sticks out to me and maybe it's also very basic is when judy greer is in the basement with allison or sorry karen's in the basement with i just love judy greer Um, but when she's in the basement with allison and she's like with the gun and she's like pretending like she's like can't do it and she can't shoot and that draws michael out to like then attack her because he he's also not an idiot at all so i'm sure he's more than aware that they're probably down there like wet ready to like fight him in some way but when she like fucking pulls her fucking oscars nominee crying out and is like i can't do it i can't do it i remember people in the theater just being like like just making the noises like bitch you better what the fuck and then like when he pops out and she's just like "Mm, i don't think so and fucking pulls that trigger and shoots that bitch in the neck i was like "Mm, yes ma'am yes ma'am come through ma'am i was like ready to fucking just my heart like skips a beat every time i watch that scene so good 
She's just a queen in general. Judy Greer, everything, everything. She's in everything that I love. She's in 13 Going on 30 Like a Badass. She is in, have you you seen Cursed? (laughs) Side note, 13 Going on 30 shit, and I'm really mad at you for choosing Clueless. I knew it. To be kicked out of that tweet. I knew it was going to happen. Listen, I've only seen Clueless once in my life, and I don't remember it. I'm so sorry. I don't, I remember the... There's a scene, I think, where Cher's at a party, right? And she's, like, stranded in the street. Right. I remember that scene. Um, I remember Paul Rudd a lot because he's Paul Rudd. And then I remember the end. And that's about it. It just didn't click with me the first time I watched it. I probably should give it a chance again because I'm sure I'll become obsessed with it. But I like 13 going on 30. Trash. It's not bad at all. (laughs) I don't think um, the main actress and a lot of people were critiquing her altogether and just her range as an actress, Jennifer Gardner. Is that who it is? I think so. I think so. If not, then I mean, whatever. But and I understand because she is very blind in that movie. But again, Judy Greer's in that movie and Mark Ruffalo's in that movie and I love them and they do a fantastic job. Judy Greer's just like a bitchy person. But me, again, I've just always been a stan for Judy Greer. She's great <laughs> in that movie. She's great in Cursed. She is amazing and just everything i love her and so when i found out that she was casted in this movie i was like sign me up she's also in the carrie remake even though the carrie remake is not the best judy greer of course is a shining light in that movie and i thought it was okay did you it was okay i don't like allison um what's her name abigail breslin Mm, i don't know her name off the top of my head if we're being honest I'm not the biggest fan of her i'm also not the biggest fan of emma roberts and i might get attacked for that But I'm just not. And so and I'm not either. Re- That's why I was not excited about Scream 4. <laughs> she's just not my she's not and she's not bad. She's hilarious and like but gosh, she really does play the same person in everything. Mm-hmm. In everything that she plays. Because she was the same exact character in American Horror Story. Coven and in Colt. She played like the bitchy reporter in Colt. And she played mm-hmm. a bitchy person in Coven. And she played, you know, a psycho bitch in Scream 4. And she just plays that character a lot. She does a good job at it because Scream Queen's Chanel Oberlin, Stan, love that. But she really is like the same character and everything. But she was going to be Allison in this movie. They were talking to her and Lucy Hale, like to play Allison in this movie. And I'm so glad that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride just decided to kind of go back to the original script pretty much of Halloween and decided to do a completely unknown actress to come through and play like the new young fresh face instead of just kind of right. you know picking somebody that we all know which I love I really couldn't imagine either like I love Lucy Hale she's um she's not in a whole lot that I like super stand Pretty Little Liars Pretty Little Liars yeah that's where I know her from the most um she's very pretty and what I've seen her in, she's a good actress, but I just don't see her doing well in this. Me either. And I think it's tough because I feel like with both of those actresses as well, they kind of get typecasted, unfortunately. Right. And I think because of that, and I've n- I, I just haven't seen it personally. I don't want to discredit them as actresses because I couldn't do it. But I just don't see the range there. And I really, really, really do love the character of Allison in this movie. I, again, wish she had a little bit more to work with because then, I mean, near the end, like the last act of the movie, she's running through the woods screaming at mannequins and like, you know, go off, sis. I wish they did a little bit more with her near the end of this movie. But throughout the movie, she's great. And like, 
she is, like you said, relatively, oh, I guess like I said, but she is relatively unknown as an actress. So coming into this, I think she had a lot to prove. And I think she really does hold up well, especially next to two icons like Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. She really kind of separates herself from them in a really, really believable way. Hmm. Love her. I'm excited to see her in Halloween Kills. I'm excited to see all of them in Halloween Kills, really. We're just ready for Halloween Kills, period. I mean, come the fuck on, truly. I mean, and also with this movie, I mean, it really was like a fucking smash. Like, it literally became the highest grossing Halloween movie in the entire franchise. Because the estimated budget was around $10 million, and most of that probably went to Jamie Lee Curtis. Um... (laughs) (laughs) We love that, though. (laughs) I watched her interview... uh, I think it was Variety that had an interview with her and Nev Campbell talking to each other. And Jamie Lee makes me laugh because she just knows that she's, like, iconic. And, like, and she's talked about it before. But, like, she was like, I wasn't coming back to this movie if I didn't get a goddamn piece of that pie. And I was like, you you deserve queen. I understand. Um, but because I guess um, Jake Gyllenhaal, who she, like, talks about a lot. She loves him a lot. But he, like, convinced her to do this movie. Um, and so... I love that for him. Thank you, Jake Gyllenhaal, because we also love him. He is delicious in every way. But he convinced her to do this movie. And so she then, of course, that's when it got her in talks with David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. And then, of course, John Carpenter came back into the mix. And she was like, okay, I'm all about it. But also, I want my goddamn check. And I want to make sure that I get I get money, baby, off this movie. So I'm sure that budget, a lot of it probably went to her. But the movie <laughs> itself grossed $200,000, 250 excuse me million dollars worldwide which is like girl what yeah she was successful successful and people were so nervous i remember we love to see it (laughs) we do we love it we love to see it thriving because now i mean bitch now scream's coming back then they you know (laughs) a lot of these classic slasher films are not coming back we have leatherface coming back we have scream coming back and we have uh candy man making a resurgence like it really just helped helm slasher films again like it really invigorated the just like it did back in 1978 girl it really kind of helped show that these movies are still successful in a way you know because it really kind of helped catapult horror into a much more mainstream appeal i guess because that movie was ridiculously expensive and that came out the year before and of course with movies like get out that also came out in like fucking just rocked not even the mainstream world but like the actual critical world i think horror really because around 2016 17 really kind of saw a resurgence and halloween came through in 2018 and also helped solidify the slasher genre as something that could be fun and fresh and funny but also still be super like gory and like over the top and we'd love to see it I just want to say the fact that Lori's island in her kitchen moves to show a secret staircase is iconic, and I want one in my house. (laughs) I've always wanted, like, a secret passage in my house. Yeah, that sounds fucking amazing. Can you imagine being, like, somebody's breaking in your house, right? Oh, what am I going to do? Just move my counter. That's all. (laughs) Then you'll never find me because I'm in the floorboards. <laughs> we deserve something like that. Um, one thing with this movie, uh, I hate that the boyfriend doesn't die. I wish he would have gotten his neck like <laughs> fucking just scraped to the bone. He's a um, teenager. Leave him alone. <laughs> no, uh, he deserved everything to happen to him. He'll probably come back in the sequel, and I hope he dies then. Um, oh. <laughs> Jesus. And I mean, really, I mean, they focus character-wise on the three women 
obviously uh, Laurie, Karen, and Allison are like the bread and butter of this movie beyond Michael. But it's just time, it kind of sucks because then the rest of the characters really don't get much of anything. Like uh, Allison's friend Vicky, she was fun and like really relatable. And her, um, the kid that she's babysitting, Julian, is literally the star of this movie. He is so <laughs> I love him. funny. Yeah, so funny. But maybe a little too funny because I remember watching it the first time around too. I was like, this kid's making me laugh and he's like a star. But then like when he was like still being kind of funny when she was getting murdered. I was oh, like, yeah. Listen. He should be terrified, but he's yeah. just fucking vibing. I mean, he's a whole entire mood, and he's just naturally funny. But yeah, when she was getting murdered, I was like, mm, I wish we were a little bit more serious about her death scene. <laughs> but also, like, the dumb bitch tripped on nothing. Her, her socks caused, they, those, I don't know what happened. And that video. We need, she needs those grippy socks from the hospital. But I know you fell face first. But she fell face first and stood there for at least 10 more seconds. And we're just, like, groaning into the ground while Michael, like, slowly walked up behind her. And I was like, maybe... At least start crawling or like I, you just got your arm slashed, girl, from a literal boogeyman in the closet. Like, let's keep <laughs> a literal boogeyman. But beyond her getting paid dust in this movie, we don't even get to see her die. I mean, it cuts like she's getting stabbed off the screen. Like right. I wanted to see more. And I was just uh, slightly disappointed. And then we don't see her boyfriend die either. And he was very funny in this movie, too. Um, but can we talk about the podcasters? Uh, their deaths are fucking iconic. I love that they gave us a cameo in this movie. <laughs> if I were to die, I would love to die in a dingy bathroom. <laughs> I live for that. That's me. Like, do you want to be the one in the the stall or do you want to be the one getting your face bashed? No, I mean, I'll let you off, pick. I love any horror movie shot that like focuses on like a healed boot in any way. <laughs> okay. Um, so me, I love that when she's crawling underneath the stalls and like you can just see her boots, and when he's choking her and you can just see her. I'm a gay, okay. So when her little, when her healed boots are flapping against that stall, I just get like all the sense of just like, mm, if that were me, I'd be wearing the biggest stiletto and I'd be. <laughs> gallivanting around that bathroom trying to like crawl through i just oof i mean i think that's what people just love about horror because it's so theatrical and you just like want to be in like the skimpiest little outfit with like the biggest heel boots and like just running around on halloween night trying to get away so i would like to be her just because she got to wear high heels or high or heeled boots that works for me because that's probably who i would be because he's just vibing just kind of chilling outside waiting and then eventually he's like okay i guess something's wrong and that would be me i'd be like god damn it let me gotta go see what adrian's doing and then just get my face fucking reamed into the door not to mention in broad daylight michael myers is walking around this goddamn what is this like a gas station fucking i think it's like a auto shop yeah in broad daylight just walking around murdering these people stripping them of their clothes ripping their teeth out girl walking into the woman's bathroom like nobody's business and when he drops <laughs> the teeth over the stall they said all-inclusive bathroom <laughs> anybody can die in this bathroom <laughs> no judgment from me michael says girl, equal rights and that's that's the when he's like killing without his mask and you just see his little bald gray head like, <laughs> it's very funny to me right but yeah, I love that scene. And I kind of was, again, like I just wanted some of these characters to just make it a little bit longer. But I mean, the podcasters were pretty awful from the jump. I mean, character Yeah, they're I mean, literally yelling at him like, say something. And I'm like, bit stop. You're literally provoking every other crazy in this place. It 
It literally felt like whenever you go to the zoo and you're trying to get like one of the birds to talk because you just know one of them can talk and all the rest of them start, start squawking. Like that's what that scene felt like. It felt like Dursley in Harry Potter when he's banging on the glass to uh, <laughs> talk to the snake or make the snake talk because it was like moving its head towards Harry. It feels like Feel that, that kind of vibe, you know, like, let them <laughs> yeah. breathe. Chill out. It's okay. Can we also talk about the doctor in this movie? That's what I was going to bring up earlier. He is a base. He's a knockoff Dr. Loomis. And he literally gives us nothing. I don't need his character. He's shit. This is Lori's time to shine. Get the fuck out of her movie. That's, I think that was the biggest criticism that people had with this movie. And me included in watching it. Because, I mean, it's, it sucks because you can't have a doctor character and not think of Donald Pleasance as Sam Loomis. Like, you just can't have a doctor or psychiatrist or anybody be next to Michael in, like, bright white clothing and just be like, hmm, they're trying to be Loomis. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, Lori even has a moment where she's like, you're the new Loomis. And I was like, hmm, let's just slow down a little bit. Like, I know they're trying to just call attention to it just to kind of get it out of the way, but it just feels very forced. And I also hate... And I understand, I guess, from, like, a story perspective of getting Michael out to Lori's house. Like... Because she lives in the middle of nowhere, and Michael's in Haddonfield killing people. Like, there's no—and he's not, like, really after her, even though I feel like he does remember her. He's just kind of vibing and killing. Um, and there's <laughs> really no way killing. to get him— Yeah, to get him out there. And I remember um, hearing—I uh, think it was Ryan Turk, who's one of the producers on the film, because um, I, I used to listen to the Shockwaves podcast before, you know, they stopped for— reasons but he was a producer on halloween and he was kind of explaining on one of their episodes after the film was released just like they had to figure out a way storyline wise for michael to get to Lori's house in a way like they set it up that she lives on the middle of nowhere and they also kind of established that michael is like a soulless killing machine but there had to be some type of way of him getting out to Lori's house there had to be a way that that happened and i think having the doctor go crazy kill like the sheriff and fucking put on the mask and look like a tool and then pick up this heavy 60 year old man when he's probably pushing 70 himself <laughs> and get him in the back seat of this car and just drive with one hand he drives with one arm i mean i guess it's doable you know not to discredit anybody who you know is disabled or only has one hand but come on and then he drives him all the way he also just knows where Lori lives i mean sure he's crazy and probably researched it but like girl when he got his head smashed in like they made up for it with that but god he was just he wasn't the best in this movie do you drive with more than one hand <laughs> i followed the rules of the <laughs> okay just wanted to <laughs> 10 o'clock is that where you're supposed to be <laughs> Uh, nine and ten. I don't know. Yes, I, only with one I think arm. it's ten and two. I was just thinking of like, um, I mean, I don't know. His arm is like broken, and like just the position <laughs> of it, like it's on his chest, and like you have to like, I don't know. It just, I hate him altogether, and I'll just make any excuses. Just think he's stupid. Right. <laughs> he he is. I'm here for it. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> his accent's awful too I don't know if that's how he speaks in real life I'm so sorry sir but his accent is just not my favorite either really the worst part of this movie truly the worst and I really and I think a lot of people were so nervous at that scene where Michael got literally you know knocked the fuck out by that car and then this old man kills the sheriff and puts on the mask and I for like the slightest second which I think a lot of people had that same feeling of like oh 
my god, please don't tell me this is the movie from now on. Please don't tell me that this old man's going to run around killing everybody. Even though, I mean, <laughs> technically man an old man is. is <laughs> Michael but, literally is an old man. <laughs> but, like, please don't tell me that this is the direction the movie's going in. Like, please just don't do this to us because you've been knocking it out of the park. But then, of right. course, like, I kind of set back into reality and it's like, no, they wouldn't do that. And they didn't. Of course, like, five minutes later, that man's dead. But... I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, he just has an unhealthy obsession with, you know, Michael Myers. But I don't know. I'm glad he died. And I just, I'm happy he won't come back to the other films. Same. Um. So, I mean, I guess kind of in wrapping up everything, because we pretty much hit everything. This movie is a fucking joy. Uh, where do we think it's going to go? Like, what do we think is going to happen? I mean, it looks like with Halloween Kills, it's going to pick up exactly where this film left off. And I don't. I don't know if it's going to happen on the same night or not. Because the original sequel, Halloween 2, happened on the exact same night. Because Laurie's friends get butchered and murdered. And then Halloween 2 is just the exact same night. It's just her then being transported to the hospital. Michael's still chasing after her. And that movie is a fucking serve. I love Halloween 2. But do we think, like, they're going to keep it on the same night? Or do you think it's going to be, like, a year later? Like, what direction do you think we're going in? Um... I don't know. See, they could be playing us by giving us the whole teaser about um, Lori just screaming to let the house burn. Because they could literally, that could literally be the first minute of the movie. And then it switches to a black screen that says like one year later or whatever. Right, 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 right. So I feel like we can't base it off of that. And I've been trying to actively avoid the topic um, just because I'm, I'm sure there's not actual spoilers out there. But as we've discussed, I'm one to hold on to others' opinions very often, very highly. And I kind of want to keep my mind unpolluted. So I've just been avoiding it. So I really don't know. Goodness, I don't know where they're going to go with it. I also, like you said, I don't think it'll be on the same night. If it was and they made it work, I mean, work, awesome, serve. But I don't think it will either. But it, it's hard to say. It really is. Because we only, I mean, we did. We only got a 30-second clip of, like, Lori screaming. So we really don't know what direction they're going in. I do feel like it might be probably, like, a year or so later. I, damn it, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I just don't, I wonder if they're even still going to be in Haddonfield. Like, because if it is a year later, like, I don't see why they would even stick around Haddonfield. Right. But then at that point, like, Oh my god, I don't know. I'm excited cuz I we really don't know if Michael really in this movie at least if he really was like after Lori. And I kind of like that they really don't establish that even though like even when he's out in the middle of nowhere, he still finds her house and like tries to kill her or whatever. But I don't know because I think now that he was trapped in her little cage in the basement and like set on fire, I feel like he might not have like a personal vendetta against her. Uh, <laughs> so he might just follow her wherever she goes at this point, but I really don't have any idea what direction to go in, but I'm excited. I don't know, man. Ugh, she just, I don't know. And even that last scene is just so badass. And I love the callback, too, where he throws her out of the window. And, you know, he looks away and he looks back and then she's missing. And, like, they played that exact same from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Just so good. So they good. do that a lot in this movie, actually. Um so, like, you know how the granddaughter is going to uh, to the dance says Bonnie and Clyde? Mm-hmm. But it's reverse Bonnie and Clyde? Right. I feel like that's kind of imagery um, because it's sh- literally showing, like, the reversal between Lori 
and Michael because like so they show the granddaughter sitting in the back of the class and instead of Lori looking out and seeing Michael the granddaughter looks out and sees her grandma and then like Michael throws her off uh, Lori off the um the thing like you said and she disappears and like she's literally the hunted becoming the hunter, the monster creating another monster. So. Yeah, it's, I was about to say, it's literally the exact same amazing point that you made earlier where, like, it kind of establishes that Michael's own evil created another monster in a sense. And they do that. It's very heavy-handed, but they do do that in this movie. And it's fantastic. It really is. And it works because Jamie Lee Curtis is just iconic. So it just works so well in this movie. And that's why in the next one, especially since she's now, of course... Michael's back and like it's been established so I don't know if like this group of like women are just gonna become like badass fucking or a trio of badass bitches running around with, like, shotguns. shotguns and yeah <laughs> or if it's just gonna be like Lori times 20 and, like even being even being even more crazy and like is fucking off her rocker and just like cause I don't think she's dealing with a lot of trauma in this first one but I don't think she's crazy in any sense of the word but I don't know if they're gonna like establish now that she's like now that Michael has come back and they're gonna go put out the fire if she's just gonna turn into even more of a like an intense individual and I don't know I still I don't remember when I said it sometime early in this podcasting journey of ours I feel like she might die in the second one I really do because I think they're doing a real go- um, a real good job of establishing you know the other two family members especially Allison they didn't give her too much attention in this movie but I feel like they have an idea for the trilogy so I feel like Lori might die in the next one if it happens I am so sorry for putting it out into the universe um, but I feel like they might do that because the movie ends with Allison holding the knife so I don't know if that's like a way of like signifying that she might be like the next main final girl of like the series. Right. Because I feel like Lori really is going to go like super ballistic in the next one. I think it might lead to her dying in a way. I guess we'll have to see. Ugh. And we would have already seen that movie if it wasn't for the failure of this administration and the pathetic president that we have and COVID because we would have really seen this movie. And so I'm so upset. Thanks, Trump. Trash. But on that note, Halloween is happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl, so did you it. ever notice that the pumpkin, um, like whenever they zoom in on the eye and the nose, that it's Michael's face and a knife? Yes, girl. A lot of people didn't realize that in the original movie. Which is crazy. I didn't realize that until um, around this time that this movie was coming out and people uh, mentioned when the movie happened, of course, at the beginning. In this movie, they make it a little bit more obvious. Like, if it, it looks mm-hmm. a little more obvious. And then I was they like, do a little weird. bit better job. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if they were trying to be, like, super sneaky about it in the first one in any way. But I didn't know that. And I've seen people on Twitter already, like, reattempting that. And I kind of want to do that uh, <laughs> on Halloween Day. I want to go to a pumpkin do patch, it. find the perfect pumpkin, and try my best. And I'm awful at carving pumpkins. <laughs> but try my best to recreate Michael's fucking butcher knife in the shape of a jack-o'-lanterns nose. <laughs> I want to try it because it looks fun. I believe in you. Thanks. I didn't know that, though, until this movie. Yeah. Also, I live for the reverse decomposition of the pumpkin shot in the opening scene of this movie. Isn't that gorgeous? So gorgeous. So fucking good. So amazing. And I was like... And I used to think the beginning of this movie was so corny when the podcast are screaming... And then it cuts to like you know the iconic theme song remastered by John Carpenter. I when at first when I was watching in theaters, I was like that was kind of a little much. But in rewatching the film fifty thousand times since then, 
it gets better with every viewing and it just it feels kind of cool now. At first I thought it was very stupid, but it feels really cool now. So just a quick recap. Do you suggest that everybody watches this for Halloween? Yes, obviously. And this episode's coming out on Halloween, so <laughs> so watch So if it, you're goddamn. not gonna watch it, just listen to our episode. <laughs> I mean, obviously you are, but <laughs> Yes, please. If you made it this far, you are. But my god, yes, watch this movie, definitely. Highly recommend. 100%. And then go watch Rob Zombie's remake. Or maybe not. <laughs> mm, I mean, it's a Rob Zombie film. So don't if you don't like you Rob Zombie's film, this one. Do you think it's, it's not? As as no, okay. not as good as this one. No, absolutely not. But it's good. And the part where he's murdering his stepdad is wonderful. Okay, listen, Stormy. So good. <laughs> It's you can't bad. change my mind. <laughs> I mean, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to hate on it because, again, in watching The Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corps, watching Halloween, now his version, it makes more sense to kind of understand how he is as a director. It's still not good. I don't like the beginning. I don't, I don't need to know about his awful upbringing. I don't care about it. Um, of course, it's a way to get Sherry Moon stripping on a pole which is always <laughs> yes, enjoyable yes yes but i don't need it and i don't i don't i don't need any of that but i do admit that the actual part where it kind of it pretty much becomes like shop for shot remake of the original once it kind of comes back to like present day and um what is her name the actress who plays Lori in that movie ah uh, hold on i'm gonna look up her name because she quite honestly serves in that movie she's fantastic in that film who scott taylor compton is that her name I don't know why you ask me actresses' names because I <laughs> don't know any of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Scott Taylor Compton. Let me double check real fast. Hold on. Um, yes, Scott Taylor Compton. She is fantastic. First off, she's gorgeous, but she's amazing in that movie. I truly enjoy her performance. And the ending shot, not to talk about the Halloween Rob Zombie version, <laughs> but the ending shot where she shoots the gun in his face and is like screaming. First off, full-blown Rob Zombie vibes. But she's fantastic in that movie. Because when the movie switches from learning about Michael as a child, which it's bad. I'm sorry. I hate that. But when it gets to like the <laughs> shot-by-shot remake and just through a Rob Zombie lens, I thoroughly enjoy that. The scene where he kills um, her parents is so unsettling to me because he's just like standing there. And I love it. I do love the movie when it turns into just like a shot-by-shot remake and it's like an extra gory version of the original. That's okay with. And the second movie... It's not like a Michael Myers movie. It's not a Halloween movie. It doesn't have that vibe to it. But if we kind of look at it as just like its own separate movie and it's not like Michael Myers and it's just like a crazy person killing on Halloween, it's really not bad. <laughs> we love Rob Zombie. <laughs> just kidding. Half of us loves Rob Zombie. No, I enjoy him. I His music is fantastic. And House of a Thousand Corpses is legitimately one of my favorite movies, like, really, uh, ever, I feel like. So I'm not hating on it, but I also need to rewatch it because it's been a little bit. But that one, that his remake just has gratuity for no reason. And, like, the rape scene in that, trigger warning, the rape scene in that film is yeah. unnecessary yeah. in every sense of the word. But, there's, there's so many things about Rob Zombie that are unnecessary, but that's what makes Rob Zombie Rob Zombie. So as long as you are aware of your triggers and know that any film that Rob Zombie makes is going to be full of them, then I suggest his films. If not, then just backtrack and watch this movie. Yeah, I was about to say, if not, then just watch this one, because this one <laughs> um, is just better <laughs> altogether <laughs> as a Halloween movie. 
but it's fantastic, and we recommend it. And we'll get into the Rob Zombie ones one day, because I do want to talk about them, because it's been a long time since I've seen them. I remember watching the second one in theaters with my sister and my father. Oh. Um, oof, trauma. But I remember us watching it. And that movie came out in, like, September, which is random. But I remember we went to go watch it in theater with him, and it was just the most awkward experience ever, because, again, that movie is so gratuitous. But, oh. But the opening scene in the second movie in the hospital, which is paying homage, obviously, to the second Halloween, is awesome. I really do love that. But they do play, uh, oh, whatever. We'll talk about it another day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Sarmi, do you recommend this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I do recommend this movie. Um, I mean, as much as I have pointed out some shit with it, I, I do enjoy it. It is something that I do watch um, every year along with the Rob Zombie movies. Um, but yeah, it's one of the ones that I continually come back to. So. Yeah, it's good. It serves. It's fantastic. But where good can stuff. everybody find us, Stormy? Everybody can find us at all of our links on Twitter because I'm tired of saying it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you could just, just go kidding. to our Instagram bio or go to our Twitter bio. We have all our, our um, all my links link. Just kidding. You can find us at Instagram and Twitter at the same handle at slash underscore her underscore pod. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and a couple of other places at slash her. Uh, you can come join us and talk to us and play games on our Discord server. And keep tuning in. We love you so much. And stay spooky, guys. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, bitches. And stay spooky. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>